E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Hi, I'm Paul Rice from Ecom Engine. I'm the head of marketing here, and I'm excited to be here. Um, so I've just realized that the, I pressed live and it, or record, sorry, um, and it, it didn't record the first five minutes or so. Um, so let, let's just carry on as we were, um, and we'll, we'll go from there. So what was that next piece from there? So you, you've done those those first few bits, and then you, you, you sort of yeah. fast-tracking into that, that next stage. Is that fair? Right. So, you know, it it was fun to be in a corporate environment and learn all the good and bad things about being in a very corporate environment where you can't do anything without legal review. And, you know, you have this big budget, but you're not allowed to do so many things because there's someone else at the company that does those other things. And I was really itching to get back into e-commerce, into direct retail. And that's what I did. I was so I was at Genworth for just over two years and I went to a, a, a company a local company that sells jewelry, um, very big jewelry presence actually across the country, uh, a big mail order company that was trying to do more with e-commerce. So I saw the opportunity there to help grow the e-commerce side, but mm-hmm. also just getting back into retail was what I really wanted. And, you know, the that company, I learned a lot there because I had the ability and the freedom to try to grow as fast as possible online, which was the opposite of where I started on this journey and enjoy more resources, um, you know, building a bigger team that I could manage and learning about a new industry as well. So that was a lot of fun. And that was the last place I was before I landed at Ecom Engine. Fantastic. So what made you then switch to that Ecom Engine piece? What was the driving force? You saw the Ecom opportunity and you're like, that looks like a great opportunity. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, a neighbor of mine, about five houses down, uh, worked for Ecom Engine, and I was riding my bike by her house one day. Just bumped into her, and she said, "Hey, your name came up the other day," which I was wondering, you know, is that good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they were looking for somebody. I had a connection to the owner through LinkedIn from years ago, where we just connected on LinkedIn, but never actually discussed anything or, or talked. Yeah, and. I hadn't put all the pieces together either, but before I bumped into her, I was actually a customer of Ecom Engines uh, for about four or five months, I believe. So I was, um, I, I could backtrack too. Um, when I was in grad school, before I left Zip, I purchased a online company uh, that sold baseball products. Yes. So not only was I learning at Zip, um, Actually, I didn't buy it when I was at Zip, but after I, when I went to the real estate company and I was in grad school, I purchased a baseball retail shop that was 100% online. There's a big, long story into how that came about that I won't bore you with, but um, I, I met the owner. Um, I did the math. To me, I think he had a great business that I could run and grow and make it profitable and keep it profitable. It was already profitable. Um, but he already had lots of connections to suppliers, uh, over 50 different suppliers. Um, he had a store and he also had a blog that had a lot of great content on it. So I saw it as the perfect combo of something that not only I wanted to do, but could successfully do. So I took a big risk, you know, and 
I did it during grad school, which was pretty foolish because I already didn't have much time. And I took on this company and I was staying up almost every night till 2 a.m. processing orders because I couldn't do it during the day. Um, but I absolutely loved it and learned so much more there, you know, learned more about business ownership directly. And fast forward to when I was at the jewelry company and nearing the end of my term there, I started selling on Amazon some of these baseball products. And one of the first products I purchased uh, a software as a service to help me was Feedback 5, which Ecom Engine creates. So I was a customer of Ecom Engines um, before I really knew my, I didn't know my neighbor worked for them. I really didn't even know the company was local to Richmond. I just didn't, didn't know or care to know much about the company when I purchased their product. And then I bumped into her and she told me about the company and I said, huh, you know, I've never heard of them. Sounds interesting. I'll go do some research and, you know, I'll get back to you and what I think. But she, she definitely sold it as a place that needed a marketing leader, a place that is poised for growth, is in a great industry. Um, but one of the biggest things was it, it's remote. You know, you work from home, which I had never done before. And that was very appealing because I have some young kids and wanting to be around them more uh, was very appealing to me. So talk to her. It dawned on me about a week later that I was already a customer of Ecom Engine, but at the time the branding was very disjointed. Uh, Feedback 5 was kind of separate from the Ecom Engine name. Um, one of the first things I worked on when, we, when I started was kind of combining all of it under the Ecom Engine name and really pushing the Ecom Engine brand as opposed to the individual products. So that's how I ended up here. Um, basically, a neighbor told me about the opportunity, and I've been here since November 2017. Fantastic. Oh, before we go on to the Ecom Engine piece, what I'd love to just touch on is your experience as a seller with Amazon and those sort of things, because you know, many people listening to this will have sold on many different platforms. But obviously, Amazon's probably the king one that most people will have will have cut their tooth on as well, and and really sort of had a had a, an impact on. So you. What sort was your experience with that? You know, presumably, if that's going back a few years now, you know, do you still have that? Are you, are you you are you still doing that? You know, how did that start? Obviously, back way back when, potentially, you. What was what did that look like? Yeah, I don't know exactly what clicked for me to say, "Hey, I should try this." You know, it it looks like it's working for a lot of people. Um, I'm sure I was you know, a customer of Amazon's and buying things on there. Um, definitely my wife is buying things on there. Um, and at some point, I, I guess I must have said, hey, I already sell these things direct through my website. Maybe I can sell them on Amazon. So I don't remember exactly what triggered it in my head, but I started doing some research and finding out of all the products I already have and can already sell or can already obtain what's being sold on Amazon. And sure enough, we, you know, Ecom Engine has another product called Market Scout, and I used that at the time to upload, you know, thousands of UPCs, and I got back all the data that told me, hey, you know, these ten are not being sold at all, or these twenty or thirty are at a price point that I couldn't afford because the margin was just way too tight, and I started putting a few items on there, and it grew from there. Um, I never, never really focused on it full time. Um, it's, it's not something I really want to do because my baseball product business is very low margin. 
Yeah. Um, so I never really looked at it as something I want to grow and um, make my only income, for example, because as you know, it's it's very hard to be a reseller, which is what I am. Uh, yeah. the margins are already tight. And when Amazon takes its cut, you're not making much money at all. And I'm not interested in the game of just getting a bunch of volume for a couple of dollars a piece because I have a full-time job and that's, that's just not what I do. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it started. Does that answer? Yes. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so you've got to, uh, so, you, so you're now an e-com engine, which, you know, I think is great. So before we go into, you know, what that looks like, why don't we just explain what e-com engine is and break down the different segments. I call them segments, but break down what that, what that looks like. Sure. So, Ecom Engine is a, a software company that right now exclusively really works with Amazon. And we basically have three products. Uh, we have Feedback 5, which most people in the space have heard of because it's been around since 2009. Uh, Ecom Engine itself has been around since 2007. We were one of the first companies in the software space for Amazon sellers. Um, we have Restock Pro, which is our inventory management product. Uh, feedback five is our reputation management, uh, you know, review tracking, feedback building, et cetera. And then we have Market Scout, which is our market research or Amazon research tool. Um, so we have those three products. Uh, we serve uh, over I mean, customers in over 100 different countries around the world. Um, big sellers, small sellers, doesn't really matter. Um, we are building new products. We're really excited about the future of Ecom Engine and what's coming soon. Um, I can't spill the beans too much about that, but oh, come on, come yeah. on, Paul! <laughs> Stay tuned. We're doing some really good things with the products we already have, and we have some new products that we're currently working on that'll be coming out later. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you. Know, I mean, lots of uh, sellers are using various pieces of software, aren't they? And actually, if you yep. start creating that all under one banner, one 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 process, one business, that that makes a lot of sense for people, doesn't it? It does. It does at some level. And uh, we have some agencies that use us. And of course, agencies are using lots and lots of different tools for lots of different customers. And they're giving us a lot of good insight on things such as, hey, if you had this little piece, I could stop using those guys over there because it's not because it's expensive, but because it's annoying to pay 10 or 15 dollars a month to this other company to do this one little thing. So we get a lot of great feedback from our customers. We have absolutely amazing customers, some that have been around since 09 and they're loyal, they have great businesses. They give us a lot of good feedback and I guess we're providing a good service for them since they're still around. Yeah, so, so just talk me through your role uh, at uh, Ecom Engine. So I'm the head of marketing and I have a, a great team. I, right now, I think it's six of us. Um, I have a great, we have, I think the best content in the industry, we really pay attention to writing great quality content. Um, our content strategist is second to none. Um, she's, she's young, she's tenacious. She wants to learn even more. And we have a great crew, the marketing team, everyone on the marketing team is awesome. And it's, it's such a joy to work with people that um, are smart, but that want to grow and want to learn more. And they really want to help sellers because they know that, you know, helping them is their path as well to future success. Uh, the more sellers they can help and the better job that they can do, the more they grow as individuals, uh, the more things they learn. Um, I've seen all the people on my team learn so much about Amazon itself. 
Um, when I came to the team, I think I provided a little bit different perspectives being a seller uh, and showing them some things. It was definitely easier for them to understand when I explain it versus having a software developer or the owner of the company explain it. Um, so I think I helped from that perspective for sure. Um, I love it. There's, there's a lot to do in the marketing space for Amazon software tools. There's a lot of competition, which is fun. You know, like I said, it, it's the game that I love and there's, there's plenty of competition to go around. So on a daily basis, I'm thinking of how can we beat this competitor or how can we do a better job than that competitor? Yeah. And I, actually, I just want to touch on that content piece because yeah, we've been on a, you know, some of your webinars in the past. And I, I think that that, that overall, um, strategy of value first how can we support the community i mean we're on a podcast now like how can we support the community and give them the value so that you know they they understand they, they've got more information they're, they're better educated they've they've got the information they need to tactically grow their businesses further you know um so with your content then i'm, I'm keen to understand you what have you got like three key areas, four key areas. What are the key? I mean, you talked about, I think the blog piece you were talking about there. I've just mentioned the webinar. Are they the two pieces or have you got some other pieces that you, you work on? Uh, the webinar and the blog are definitely the biggest. And I would say the blog is the most important for sure. Um, since we've been around so long, we have great organic rankings for our content. Yep. It's very easy for us to write a piece that hasn't been written about by anyone and get a lot of traffic right off the bat. Um, but we, we strategically over the past year and a half have been creating content more um, intentionally based on data and bringing in that data focus, um, which wasn't me directly, it was a collaboration amongst the whole team, you know, trying to figure out how can we write better content? How can we find the topics that people are searching for or that they don't even know they need. And we have a lot of different ways to do that now. And it's been successful. And we, we can see the trends over time of what we've done and how it's paid back dividends for us. But also we're, we're helping people, you know, we're helping them understand the ins and outs of things that are complicated. And we have a couple articles that we get questions on, you know, every week we're getting comments about, you know, I need help with this, or I don't understand this. And it helps us improve our articles, but it also shows that there are a lot of sellers out there that just are struggling with certain pieces of the ecosystem that they're trying to play in. Yeah, I mean that ecosystem, and that's that's the bit where you know I think that's where we've we've that that EU piece, the the the, the expand to Europe piece, you complete end to end. You when people expand into new markets, they it's just too difficult. They just want to know that you can hold their hand from start to finish, and haven't got to worry about anything. Um, and I think that, you know, providing the content to support sellers to do that, you, from your point of view, giving people that the actual tactical insights, people want the insights and the data. What, what We've all got this huge amount of data. What's it telling us? Like, people want to know what it's telling us. Like, right. otherwise, there's no tactical advantage of having it in the first place. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, other marketplaces is a big one. Um, we... So one of those posts I was mentioning is about selling in Mexico. And it's it's amazing how many people write to us and say that they read the article, but they need resources. And we try to connect them to some of our good partners. But a lot of people just have questions about 
you know, legal implications, duties, taxes, all of that stuff, because it's, it's not, you know, there's, it's not clear cut in every different marketplace about exactly how to do it. Yeah. And that, and that, and that's the hard part. And that's, I would quick plug for global e-commerce experts. We've nailed that piece in Europe, obviously. Uh, but anyway, uh, so e-com engine. So we've got the three different pieces of software all under the one brand. You know, what what sort of what are the key things that makes those software stand out above the competitors? Do you think? That's a great question. Um, our inventory management tool does things that no one else does, uh, especially around bundling, and. You know, it's not a fit for every company, for sure. Uh, we don't have, I wouldn't, I mean, we have a lot of users using it, but it's not something that every Amazon seller would even need. You need to be a certain size company. You need to have a certain kind of supply chain. Um, it works best in some situations, but not in others. Uh, if you're a private labeler and you have one product, you're probably not going to want to pay for it. It's probably not going to work for you. If you have a huge warehouse with hundreds of different brands and you're reselling and you have some private label, or something else, you know, whatever mix, it, it might work for you very well. We definitely don't want anyone to use it if it doesn't work well for them, uh, because you know, as, as with any software product, you only want users that you're really building it for to use it, so that you get that good feedback and you don't get people saying, "I tried to use this; it's a piece of junk." Yeah. Uh, we get that a lot, but more often than not, we tell them, "Well, it doesn't work for you. Like, it's not made for that business model." Um, but it does some things that others don't. Uh, we are right now in the process of rewriting some large chunks of it to make the UI way better, to make the logic better. And potentially, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to add some features in there that don't exist today that sellers will be very excited about. Uh, for the feedback five side, you know, it, you know, the feedback and reputation management space and review tracking, you know, we were the first, literally, we were the first in the Amazon space to create that software. Yeah. Um, part of our competitive advantage is that we were first. We have an enormous customer base. Um, but when I say competitive advantage of being first, it's not because it was just being the first. It's because over the past, uh, I guess, 12 years now, we have been building the infrastructure slowly as our customer base has grown. We can support hundreds of thousands of sellers sending millions of emails a day to get feedback and reviews, but it wasn't easy getting there. Uh, we had a lot of growing pains. A lot. I've only been here three years, but I've learned about all the growing pains of, you know, getting from five to ten thousand customers and ten to fifty thousand customers and so on. And there are a lot of other companies in our space that are doing similar things to what we're doing, but they couldn't support the sellers that we do. They just can't support the volume and they'll learn over time as they grow as well. If the whole space grows and there's enough, you know, slices of the pie for everyone, they're going to learn that they have to change the way they do things to support 10 more, 10 times more sellers, for example. So our infrastructure is rock solid. Um, but I think the thing that most people see that we have that other people don't have is our customer service. And kind of going back to what I was saying about zip. Uh, we put our customer service at the top of the industry um, as far as the ratings and the feedback we get from our customers. We have a big customer success team. I said service, it's really customer success. We have a big customer success team. We have a, a great leader in the customer success team. Um, they will solve problems for people that they don't know how to solve because they'll go figure it out or they'll talk to other people inside of the company and figure it out. 
Um, none of them are, are shy about taking on complicated problems. We have a lot of resources and partners we can point them to if it's something we can't solve, but we are very responsive and we don't settle for not uh, giving a solution when one of our customers needs it. So with that, actually, that customer service piece, what, what, how do you deal with that? Do you have uh, a ticketing system? Do you have an email system? What's the, what's the way you deal with that customer service piece? Uh, yeah, basically, you can contact us many different ways. Uh, we do have a ticketing system. Uh, we run everything through HubSpot. That's the platform we use. That's our CRM. It also runs our marketing site as well. And, you know, we have online chat that can create tickets for you. Um, but mostly it is uh, several different customer success reps that will answer the phone, that will handle the emails that come in through the contact us page, or we have email addresses out there, you know, in emails itself, all over the website from just being around for so long that people can contact. Um, and other than that, you know, those are the three main things, you know, it, it's either email um, or chat or, um, if someone comes in through our help center, you know, they can provide feedback there, uh, questions through chat. I'm trying to think, I feel like I'm missing something else. Oh, the phone. So if someone does call us, you know, we're going to be responsive. If we don't answer, we're going to call them back as soon as possible. Um, and usually those calls are going to make tickets. Yeah, so we have a ticketing system that'll communicate back to the customer via email, um, like most ticketing systems work today. And, and obviously, by the beginning, you were talking about, you know, working in 100 countries. So how does that work around the globe? You know, have you got, is it just based in the States, the, uh, the, the sort of answering system? How, what does that look like? So we have some staff in the Philippines in the customer success team, and we have some staff in the U.S. And that allows us to have a little bit expanded hours. Um, we don't, at the, at the current time, we don't have 24-7 chat. Um, and basically that's because we've always wanted our customer success team to be on U.S. hours. So, you know, a normal U.S. working hour day is, is what we serve and what we really focus on because that's the majority of our customers. Yep. Um, you know, it just it kind of makes sense from an economic standpoint to do that. But our customer success team um, is always thinking about other solutions. Uh, we support Mandarin now, which we didn't as of two years ago. Um, where we've, we've built out a Mandarin help center um, to try to support those Chinese sellers that were growing over the past couple of years and still growing. And I, I'm not actually 100% sure. I probably should know this. I'm not sure if we have Mandarin-based support um, on off hours for U.S. I would have to look into that and get back to you on that one. Fantastic. Now, we're talking about the different pieces. We've done two pieces of software. What's the final piece? Market Scout is the other one. Um, you know, Market Scout doesn't get a lot of attention from us because it's something we built uh, many years ago and it does a basic job. We have a lot of customers that love using it. A lot of our Restock Pro customers love to use it. Um, it's really built for the reseller model. You know, it's not built for brands. But if you have access to a catalog of thousands of products and you just don't know what will work on Amazon, you can load it with your costs and we're going to spit back which products you should and shouldn't sell. We're going to tell you how many sellers, um, how many FBA sellers, uh, what the average price is or what the lowest price is currently, and what your expected margins will, will be with fees included. So pretty quickly, you know, if you have access, like I explained before, to thousands of products, you can find out 
if any of them are worth selling at all. And maybe you'll find some that are, maybe you won't. I have a friend that works in the HVAC space. He actually works for a company that sells HVAC parts to, um, not to end users, but to technicians that work on large HVAC equipment. And he came to me a couple of years ago and he said, hey, I'm thinking about selling on Amazon. I've got, you name it, I, I have it. I can basically get anything from Honeywell or um, Johnson Controls, like the real big names out there in the space that also do not sell direct. Yeah. They all go through supplier networks or you know um, retailers essentially. And I said, just use Market Scout, you know, take all your UPCs. And he's like, well, we can't really get UPCs. So he had to do some work on his side to get UPCs from the suppliers. Yes. He did that. I think he loaded 20, 30,000 and he found several thousand that either weren't being sold at all or that would be sold, were being sold at a price much higher than what they already sell direct. And I said, go for it, man. And they've been having success ever since just by using Market Scout and finding opportunities and loading them on Amazon. Yeah, I think that's actually really interesting about how you can use pieces of software to identify all those key areas. And actually, if you've got 20,000 products and identify the top 10, the top 1,000, actually, it sells you a huge amount of time and resource. Like, so, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And it, it's, it, it's simple. It's also very fast. Uh, Market's got super fast. It doesn't take but a, a minute or two to get that data back. Yeah. Uh, so, so with all those pieces of software, you know, what are the sort of things you're seeing in the e-commerce landscape at the moment? Yeah, you know, we talked right at the beginning about, you know, obviously COVID having an impact and being in the right space at the, at the moment. But you know, what sort of things are you really seeing at the moment from your side that are really sort of influencing the market? I think right now the biggest, most interesting piece is you know Shopify and what they may or may not change in the Amazon space. Um, you know, quasi competitor to the Amazon, but kind of not really. It's going to be very interesting to see how that evolves. A lot of our sellers have direct to consumer websites, and a lot of them are through Shopify or Big Commerce. And it's been interesting to see over the past few years how those platforms have integrated with Amazon so that users could, so they could try to get the user, you know, 100% in their platform, no matter what marketplace they're selling on. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting piece that's evolving right now. Um, definitely. Uh, so, so the multi-channel piece for sure is definitely interesting. And I think the changes we saw with the pandemic and sellers being able to fulfill themselves, um, I think uh, it, from what I've heard, a lot of them are convinced they need to keep that door open for the future. Um, you know, everything changed for the entire world so quickly, and a lot of people were powerless to do anything other than find a solution or go out of business. But I, I don't think people want to be in that position again. So the ability to pivot different different ways from FBA to MFN, I think, is going to be crucial long term. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, too, is uh, the political climate and how, you know, how polarized we are but also big tech getting involved and potentially you never know what's going to happen. You could be selling a product that big tech thinks doesn't work very well for society and they can make it really hard for you. And, you know, Amazon's always had restrictions on different kinds of products. But one thing that kills me is when 
we're, we're helping a company that is, you know, a very honest company and they're selling something that someone else feels like isn't right for some reason. And something happens to that company or that mom and pop and they can't provide for their family the way they used to. So diversification is key. You know, if you're selling something that may not be, uh, have longevity in the long run, um, you might have to diversify a little. And diversification is something everyone talks about in almost every industry. It's something Ecom Engine thinks about too. You know, uh, long term, do we need to diver- diversify away from Amazon or not? You know, that's something we talk about often. Um, I think every seller needs to think in those same mindsets, especially if you're private label and you're kind of running your business on a handful of products. Anything could happen and those could be squashed, whether it's another competitor coming up or just something else with your supply chain that goes crazy and, and you're out of business overnight. You have to diversify for sure. Yeah, I think that diversification is absolutely critical. And we see that you know, the most on the channel approach, you know, here in Europe is absolutely critical. You know, you the downside within Europe is that you've got a different one for the UK, a different one into France, a different one into Germany, a different one into you know that you and that just adds complications to the to the process of well, I want to expand, I want to do it easy, but having all those different channels just makes it really, really confusing. Like then there is software that pulls all that together. But actually it's so expensive at the moment to have all those on the channels on 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 it. It almost doesn't quite work. Um, but there are you know there are some pieces out there, Paul, if you were to do that. But you you see that um uh I think the other piece you said there about three PLs, you know, relying on being merchant fulfilled now you exactly the same here in europe exactly the same thing you know merchant fulfilling is absolutely critical which while we've got the uk and netherlands warehouse like obviously after brexit we need you need one in each location um which which throws up another complete spanner um but i I think that those points are are bang on that diversification on the channel approach and how you grow seeing what shopify does over the next six months i think it's going to be critical Mm -hmm. Uh, They've taken huge chunks in market share. They're, they're, what, what's happening in the States with them taking fulfillment centers? Because you know, we're seeing that more and more. They're, they're talking about it. We've not seen that here yet, but I can see they're talking about it. Is that, has that started in the States now? Is that What does that look like? Yeah, I've, it started. I think it's going to grow. Uh, it's interesting. Yesterday, someone in the company shared um, – something they saw on a on a forum about Shopify and how they are planning to do things a little bit differently. And this is very nuanced, but it's something that small restrictions that Amazon doesn't allow you or that puts in place that sellers prevent sellers from doing certain things like taking a consumer offsite or taking them to, you know, direct to consumer website. Shopify doesn't care about that. And, and that, just that small nuanced little rule difference could be um, game changing. Really Uh, a lot of sellers want to be their own brand. And a lot of times Amazon doesn't allow them to do that in the way that they want want to do that. So I think it's going to be, like you said, next six months is going to be really interesting to see what happens. It's going to be a a fierce battle. I think Um, Shopify is a long way to get, you know, I don't think anyone, really thinks that 
they're trying to be Amazon or try to be like Amazon. No, you can't do that. You know, don't do that. Um, You have to be something different. You know, you have to provide a different type of solution for that, for growth. Yeah. I think that that's the the different models, different approaches and using those different approaches in different ways because the skills you need for Amazon are different to the skills you need for Shopify. Whilst it's still e-commerce, you know, one's got already got the traffic, the one hasn't got the traffic. Like you, you've got to mix it up between and base it on your skills as well. Okay, fantastic. So, so ecom engine, you know, if if people want to get in contact with you, talk about what you you find out a bit more about your software. What's the best place they can do that, Paul? Ecomengine.com for sure. Look at that, as easy as that. Uh, now, uh, last plug from Paul. Paul, why should people use? Ecom engine. What, what's the number one factor that you know people come to you and say ecom engine is amazing because if you want to grow your business on Amazon, if you want to improve your reputation, if you want to streamline your inventory management, if you want to find out you know from your vast supply network what SKUs or what ASINs are possible to sell, we have solutions for you, uh, and we back it with our customer success team. You will not be disappointed when you work with Ecom Engine. Full Look at that. Absolutely epic. Uh, Paul, that's been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been epic having you on. Uh, it's great to hear your story and, and some of those things about you know, what you've been up to and, and how you got to where you are today. So thank you very much. Um, so if they want to get in contact, through ecomengine.com. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you, Andy, for having me on. It was a pleasure. No worries. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. This was another e-commerce expander secrets podcast. Uh, you listen to Andy from Global E-commerce experts and Paul from the Ecom Engine. Thank you very much.